That's a fine idea, Kyle. For this episode, we can jump back in to the Lord of the Rings. I don't see why not. In fact, I think that makes complete sense. It's Darby Cass and it is Economics Wednesday. Did I miss the Darby Cass doctors as much as you missed me and Kyle? Hard to say, but perhaps. Lot going on right now. Kyle and I, we took a break. Good time to take a break, right? Cool the jets, recharge the batteries, ground out, center ourselves. Kyle has big news, which I will tell you about. He adopted not one, but two puppies. For all you longtime listeners, you know that Kyle was flirting with that sort of idea for quite some time, and he went for it. Kyle, I'm proud of you, dude. But yeah, the election is still up for grabs. People on the left insist that it's game over. People on the right say not so fast. And I guess we'll just kind of see how it all plays out. One little side note that I find interesting is, as opposed to 2016, this 2020 election, now the Republicans are saying eh, there might be some voter integrity, maybe some computer system whodunitry. And it's like the Democrats all of a sudden forgot that they had been harping on that issue for the past four years and banging that drum. In fact, I think we can trace it back to like 2011 that comments were made like, ah, computers, are they safe? Answer to that question, obviously, hard to know. Nothing safe about computers. But that's neither here nor there. All I know, Darbycast doctors, is we're in for a great show. No matter what happens, the adventure continues. The adventure continues. My prediction about a Donnie J landslide did not pan out. And that's okay. Because it is what it is. Like I told you a couple episodes ago, a couple weeks ago. You just say, huh, okay. And then you keep doing your stuff. But the theme of season three of DarbyCast, and again, for you newer people, just realize that the seasons mean very little. There is almost zero difference between seasons one, two, and three. Kyle just thought it would be a cool thing to do, and he's the audio technician. Give him a little bit of autonomy. I don't micromanage. I'm a good guy. You already knew that, though. But let's get into season three adventure mode, whatever that means for you. For me, it means we're running it back. Lord of the Rings, L-O-T-R. We did the first one, and now it's time for part two. So here we are, the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. And this is an Economics Wednesday. You know what that means. It means you're going to get peppered with really high-level economic commentary while you are trying to keep your jaw closed because you're going to be awestruck from the caliber of storytelling about to unfold. If you're newer to this podcast, oh boy, I don't know what to tell you, but keep listening. If all the DarbyCast doctors were in a room, that have to be a pretty darn big room, they would say things to you. They'd maybe put a hand on your shoulder and say, I remember my first DarbyCast, you wonderful person. We like you a lot. That's what they'd say. But let's get into it. And if you haven't listened to the episode part one and you're jumping straight into this one, I'm not okay with it. So do yourself a solid. Do the work. That's it. Just do the work, right? Business of pleasure. That kind of work. Do you understand how that works? Boom. Gotcha. But let's pick up where we left off. That was an incredibly lengthy preamble to this story. So here we are, awakening from a dream of Gandalf, fighting 
the Balrog in Moria. So a quick refresher. Gandalf was fighting a mischievous shadow demon. The end of the last book or movie, depending on your medium that you're following along as your supplementary storytelling device. If you're just going straight up Darby cast to figure out what's going on with Lord of the Rings, I applaud that. That's very telling of your character. So Frodo is having a dream. Gandalf is laying the smack down on the Balrog on an icy mountaintop. And he's yelling at him. Because what else would you do with a shadow demon? You got to go toe to toe. Not back down. Show your aggression. That's a business call out right there. When you're up against a fierce opponent in the world of business, even if you're fearful, you got to puff up your chest, go into battle and say, let's negotiate this deal. I am a beast. That's what you say to an executive on the other end of a big deal. That's what you as a Darby cast doctor do is just humongous deals. But Frodo and Samwise Gamgee, they wake it on up and they find themselves lost. Remember, they split off from the ultimate badass heroes, Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn. Frodo decided he was just going to play hero ball. But Sam was like, there is no Jordan without Pippin. There just isn't. And Frodo was like, goodness, you're... 100% correct. So they're lost in the Emin Mwil. Am I saying that right, Kyle? Emin Mwil. So Frodo and Sam, they wake up and they find themselves lost in Emin Mwil. Sounds super wrong when I say it out loud. Kyle, am I saying that right? That's a thumbs up. Okay. So they're lost in Emin Mwil near Mordor, which is where they're trying to go. Mount Doom, remember, cast the ring of power, the one ring to rule them all into the fire from whence it came. So they are walking around in this craggy hillscape, bunch of rocks that people who like rock climbing and bouldering, they would go nuts over this place. But this isn't leisure time. There is zero leisure involved here. Sam and Frodo realize they're being tracked by Gollum. Who's that? Smeagol, right? The guy who spent 500 years in a cave eating raw fish with the ring just by himself, completely losing it. He lost track of what was important. That's a story about drugs. An economic lesson there, don't do drugs or you're going to struggle. That's it. The two Hobbit bros, Sam and Frodo, they play dumb and then they capture Gollum. Like, ha, gotcha. You thought you were so smart, just creeping around. And Sam's like, let's kill this guy. Let's end him real quick. Frodo tenderhearted, he's like, ah, I kind of feel bad for him. Like, what if we utilized his skill set, which is something, maybe he could guide us to Mordor. We are exceptionally lost. And I don't know if there are gradations of lost, but they were exceptionally lost. If such a thing is possible, they were peak lost. Okay. So now the duo becomes a trio and it's two hobbits and a really disgusting looking creature in an ill-fitting loincloth who's got a raspy voice in the movies. Don't make me do it. I will. I will. You just wait. All right. Now let's pull to Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. Human, elf, and squat dwarf. They pursue a band of Urukai, remember super orcs, to save their companions, Merry and Pippin, who were captured. They follow their trail into the kingdom of Rohan. Rohan. Great place. 
home of the horse lords. Guys who are really handy in a saddle and doing damage with a bow or a spear from horseback. Does that sound like Genghis Khan and his Mongolians? It sure does. But these guys think weren't Mongolian. They were more of kind of like a Euro mix. Anywho, Urukai, who had taken the two other hobbits, Merry and Pippin, they were ambushed by whom? The Rohirrim. And that is the most badass horse dudes. Not centaurs, but horse dudes. Not connected. Not a bunch of half and halves. Just guys riding horses. Badasses, though. They murder the Urukai that had the two hobbits, which allows them to escape the hobbits into where? Fangorn Forest. Ooh. Places. Ominous sounding. But is it? Allow me to continue. So Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, they are now in Rohan, and they get spotted and rounded up by some badass horse dudes, and their leader, Yomer, explains that he and his men have been exiled by Rohan's king, Theoden, who is under the control of Saruman. Remember the wizard in that very sketchy-looking tower? Brutalist-style architecture? It's like, dude, read a book. An art book, Saruman. Maybe you just haven't been exposed to things that look nice. But your architecture looks like dog shit. But Saruman is using one of his minions, Grima Wormtongue. And he is helping to poison the mind of Theoden, who has outcast the greatest horse bros in the land. Very complicated set of events. But what you need to know is the king looks like garbage. This guy, Wormtongue, he's definitely got a really rapey vibe to him. Very inappropriate, but he's a minion of a guy who has no architectural taste. So what do you really expect, right? So Yomer and the horse bros, they surround the three heroes, Legolas, Aragorn, Gimli. And they're like, hey, we could kill you right now. And Gimli gets called out in a huge way because Yomer turns to him and he's like, I'd cut off your head, but it wouldn't fall that far. So it's not really worth my time. Makes you think of the Randy Newman song, Short People, when you hear a call that disrespectful to a short dwarf. Okay, if you haven't heard that song, look it up. Randy Newman, he did the soundtrack to Toy Story. Look up his song, Short People. So disrespectful. But our three heroes, they ask Yomer, they're like, Hey, we're looking for our friends. They're hobbits, halflings, if you will. And Yomer's like, hey, so they were probably murdered during our raid on the Urukai. But here's a couple of horses and see ya. Pretty odd interaction, not very emotionally satisfying from the standpoint of the heroes. It's like, yeah, I think we killed your friends, but you want a pair of horses? That makes up for it, right? wrong. You guys don't even understand friendship. Horse bros, you understand horses, but do you understand friendship? That's a lesson for people in the horse industry. That's an economic lesson if I've ever heard of one. You know horses, but do you know friendship? It's a call out. That's a huge call out. The three heroes, dwarf, elf, and human, they go to where this ambush took place where the horse bros slaughtered, mutilated, murdered, dominated, destroyed, annihilated, disrespected, ravaged, savaged, all of the above, the Urukai. And they're like, ah, the two hobbits, they're probably dead, right? But then Aragorn, who's a ranger, which means he's handy with tracking, he sees some clues and he's like oh wait a second maybe they're not dead their hands were bound but maybe they got these bindings broken and looks like they wriggled over here and oh and they left they left their weird little pendants here 
And Aragorn, he sees where the trail leads, and it leads into Fangorn Forest. And Gimli, the dwarf, is like, you don't want to go in there. They're dead for sure. And it's like, Gimli, we're in the wilderness, but I wish we were near a town that had an attitude store so we could go pick you up a new one. But the three of them, Legolas, Aragorn, Gimli, they decide, hey, we got to go in there. Scary forest or not, we are heroes and our friends are missing and they could be alive. Game time. Let's go. That's what it's like starting a small business. You're like, ah, the competition. It's nuts. Fangorn Forest is the industry we're trying to get into. And maybe the shortest guy within your company is like, guys, we can't do this. And that's when you got to take the short guy aside and be like, you are poisoning our culture here. Pull yourself together, man. Pull yourself together. Act like you've faced some adversity in your life and pretend like you handled it well. Okay? Game face, dumbass. I told you I'd pepper in economic lessons. Meanwhile, Marion Pippin. They're having a grand old time in Fangorn Forest, which is surprising because it sounds like such a scary place. But what did they find? Treebeard. A tree who can walk and talk, which is a pretty good time, if you ask me. There's a bunch of these Ents, okay? Ents, spelled E-N-T-S. They're like kind of anthropomorphized trees that can move around and talk with one another. Legend has it that in Fangorn Forest, it's something in the water that does this to the trees that makes them spring to life and become excellent in ethics and forestry. They're good at taking care of the other trees. Pretty cool. So Mary and Pippin, they're chatting with Treebeard and they're riding him around. And they're trying to tell him what's going on. They're like, yeah, so there's a dark lord. And then there's a wizard who's also a shithead and his name's Saruman and Treebeard, great name, by the way. He's like, wait a second, Saruman is my boy. What are you talking about? Don't talk bad about my friend. You don't know anything. And they're like, no, Treebeard, you have to listen to us. This is serious. Saruman is no good. Something happened to him and he is not okay. He's doing bad stuff. And you got to come to terms with that. Your friend has changed. Whoa. Right? Let's just take a quick pause to say, whoa. Big pep talk coming from some small guys. Okay? What's the economic lesson there? Don't underestimate short people. Sometimes you got to put them in their place and be like, listen here, you low-hanging fruit. Or, hey, lowlands. Or, hey, big stump magump. But other times, listen to them because they have some good ideas, make some good calls. That much is kind of true about everybody. Not everybody's perfect. Some people are flawed. Surprise, surprise. But good idea can come from almost anywhere. Some people have zero good ideas. That is the truth. But meanwhile, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, they are trekking through Fangorn and they're like, all right, we got to find our friends. And I like that, that they are all on the same page. One band, one sound. They're not playing jazz and going off doing these little solo exercises. They have harmonious actions. And they are true to what they're doing. Economic lesson? Do I even need to lay that one out there? Didn't think so. So the three mega badass bros come to a clearing in the forest and all of a sudden this blinding white light shines in their eyes and they're like, whoa, it's probably Saruman, that terrible trickster wizard whose architectural style is pedestrian at best. That's what they say. And they're like, don't let them cast spells on you. But then a lot of magic happens and all of their weapons heat up to a really hot temp, and then they have to drop them. And they're like, oh boy, we are in trouble. But it's not Saruman. 
the dirtbag. It is Gandalf, who used to be Gandalf the Grey. But upon defeating the Balrog, he ended up taking a dirt nap. He died, but then he was resurrected. And instead of Gandalf the Grey, he is now Gandalf the White. What does that mean? He's now older looking, wiser, stronger magic, upgraded staff. What do we call that in the business world? A promotion. Are you taking notes? Because you could if you wanted to. But the team just got their star player back. And Gandalf leads them to Rohan's capital city. Remember, we're still in the province of Rohan. They go to the capital city, Edoras. And Gandalf does a ton of wizard stuff on Theoden, the king, who has seen better days. He's starting to look pretty rough until Gandalf shows up. He's like, let me pepper you with some A-plus healing magic. You'll be right as rain, no problems. So he does. He does. And he frees him from Saruman's control. Saruman's minion, Wormtongue. Remember, disgusting rapist? Theoden's pretty mad. The king, he's pretty mad at him. He's like, you treated me like garbage. And you were poisoning me on the side? It's like a little slow drip poison. Wouldn't kill me. Just incapacitate me. Time to kill you. Which is fair. If somebody's sabotaging your business and you find out about it, take action. That's what I say. But Aragorn, ranger and heir to the throne of Gondor, most impressive city, capital city of the region, Okay, of all of Middle-earth, Gondor is serious. He stops Theoden from murdering Wormtongue, and Wormtongue flees. He's like, I am out. It's like, get out of here, you coward. Poisoning someone? That's a coward's move. That is a coward's play any way you want to slice it. Wormtongue was a yellow-bellied, low-character individual. Theoden gets caught up to speed. He's been pretty out of it, pretty poisoned. And he learns that Saruman, terrible wizard, is planning to destroy Rohan with his army of Urukai, beast, orcs, very ugly, strong, but ugly as shit. And Theoden's like, okay, we got to get everybody out of here. We're a little bit susceptible to an invasion. Let us go to Helm's Deep. And Helm's Deep is this. Fortress deep in the mountains, tucked away in the farthest reaches of Rohan. And Theoden's like, we're going to take everybody there. We're going to set up shop. We're going to set up our defenses. We're going to be fine. Big leadership play right there. Where truly, he didn't know whether it was a good call or not, but he was decisive. And that is business. Can I lay that out for you in full? The best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. The worst thing you can do is nothing at all. So be decisive in business. Or if you're the king of a fictitious city that specializes in horse combat, not so different. Gandalf decides to split. He's like, guys, I got to go. I got to do some stuff. And everybody's like, wait, what? You just got here. What's going on? He's like, no time to explain. I'm out. So he's off. Aragorn befriends Theoden's niece, Eowyn, who becomes infatuated with him. And it's like, how could you not? This guy's a pro. He knows how to track things. He can swing sword. And he's just a good dude. So she's trying to pull some flirt moves and he's like kind of buying into it but he's like "Ah, i've got this elvish chick who really rocks and i can't give you my all and it takes courage to be that honest in romance or in business right hard decisions require radical honesty and saying hey i got something else going on i don't have the bandwidth to take this on take you on Back off, take you on, right? So the entire kingdom of Rohan, they are riding by horseback and walking their way to Helm's Deep, and they are ambushed 
by Saruman's warg riding orcs. So what are wargs? Think of oversized jackals, hyena-looking bear beasts fed a steady diet of steroids and chaos. Very questionable diet. You wouldn't feed that to your dogs, would you, Kyle? No, you wouldn't. So a skirmish goes down, and Aragorn gets pushed off a cliff, and everybody's like, oh boy, our main man fell really far. He is definitely dead. They had a little moment, and they're like, well, it's life. It's business. That's what they were thinking. They thought, well, that's business, but they kind of more verbally out loud were like, ah, rough, but that's life. They go to Helm's Deep, and then no more than a couple hours later, Aragorn shows up, and he's like, I'm alive. And they're like, you, come on. You had us worried, man. And he's like, I apologize. I didn't mean to fall off the cliff. And they're like, oh, okay. Meanwhile, let's pull away from this action. In Rivendell, remember Rivendell? Elvish capital city, where... Aragorn's girl, Arwen, posts up with her pops, Elrond. Pretty solid folks. But Elrond tells his daughter, Arwen, some pretty heavy news. He's like, listen, you're never going to see your guy again. He's toast. Things are going to happen and he's going to die. And he continues to lay it on thick to his daughter. Hard conversation. Deep truth. But he didn't sugarcoat it at all. And there's part of me that really respects that out of a leader, you know, whether it's in relationships with the nuclear family or in a corporate structure. It's like, let's just have a real conversation about what's going on. No sense in putting this off, right? So Elrond, he's like, you know, if you stay in Middle Earth, you're going to outlive Aragorn by like thousands of years. He's going to live to maybe 80 max, you're going to live to like 3,000. You cool with that? It's a pretty short-term gig in the grand scheme of things. Let's just get out of here. Let's go east. Let's go to Valinor. Valinor is like the Elvish promised land. It's totally away from the conflicts happening in Middle Earth, but it's kind of a coward's play to dip. And Elrond, deep down, he knows it. He never admits it, but he knows it. And so. Elrond's taken all his people. He's like, we're going to go to Valinor. We're going to go east. But you know who intervenes? That crazy elf chick from Lothlorien, which is a city of wood elves. His girl Galadriel. Pretty attractive individual, but her hot crazy ratio, off the charts. You understand what that means. So as Elrond is planning to dip, Galadriel's like, hey, we should honor our oath that we made a really long time ago with the men of the realm. We're elves, they're men, but we made an alliance, a pact. We got to help them out. Elrond, he's got like a little bit of omniscience going on where he kind of knows what's going on all over the place. He never really utilizes that skill to a level that makes sense proportionally to how cool that skill is, but he has it nonetheless. And that's what we like to call in the business world an underachiever, a lazy employee, where it's like, you have so much potential, but you're just not doing the work. Elrond, this is the third time I've told you about this this month. Why are you phoning it in so hard, pal? Is your home life okay? And that's a cool play, right? Take a little interest in your employees and say, hey, is everything all right? But Elrond, he's the head honcho. He's the head elf. So he doesn't really report to anybody but himself, which is a big letdown for everybody. Leaders, take note of that. But Galadriel wins over Elrond. And like, let's send some elves to Helm's Deep because some stuff's going to go down. And Elrond's like, I have foresight. I know this. So they send some elves, an army, a couple of platoons. I don't know how they organize their ranks, but let's just say a 
couple of platoons of elves. Meanwhile, in Fangorn Forest, Merry and Pippin convince Treebeard to have an Ent Council, where the Ents come together and they decide to not take part in the coming war. And Pippin is pissed. And he's like, hey, you know how I told you Saruman was a bad guy? And Treebeard's like, yeah, I do remember that, actually. And Pippin's like, well, can I show you something? And Treebeard's like, yeah, all right. So Pippin and Merry, they ride Treebeard towards Isengard, crap-looking tower, where they witness the deforestation caused by Saruman's war effort. That's right. Saruman has been logging out of control. He's not a green guy. He's using fossil fuels and timber. In Middle-earth, the left doesn't like him. But neither does the right. He's a common enemy, but the left really can't stand the way that he deforests. The right's pretty upset about it too, but they're not as vocal. Politics in Middle-earth, man. So Treebeard gets a huge look at all this, and he's like, I am so pissed. I am so pissed. He's really ticked off. And so Treebeard, he goes to the council and he's like, guys, I actually just saw something. And these little fellas, Merry and Pippin, they made a great call. They told me that my friend Saruman was no longer a friend. He had betrayed the friendship. He had betrayed a whole lot. And I think it's time that we smack it to him as humongous trees that can move. And so they do. They launch a tree and assault on Isengard. Can you imagine that? A bunch of 20 to 30 foot tall walking trees just hurling boulders at you. What do you do for that? There's very little you can do to block that. No defense against angry trees that can talk and throw boulders. They have a lot going on for them. Usually they don't resort to violence, but it's like, hey, you really made a lot of wrong choices, Saruman, and it's time to pay. That's some principled combat, rules of engagement out of the trees, and you have to respect that. You say, we're not going to go on the offensive unless you really cross a boundary, but if you do, then we are coming for you. Wow, great interpersonal skills, but great combat skills as well. So they go nuts. They rip apart a dam, the trees. They rip apart a dam that Saruman had stopped a river. He had dammed it up and they just said, uh-uh. And they ripped apart this dam and it just washed Isengard clean, extinguished fires, drowned a bunch of orc workers and really freaked out Saruman the wizard because he's like, ah, my magic doesn't work on trees. Talk about a glaring hole in your magical repertoire. Am I right? Maybe you just read one of the magical books available to you and figure that out, but too late for that, am I right? You didn't prepare. You failed to prepare, aka you prepared to fail. Called out. The Ents just crush. And Saruman is trapped in Isengard, top of the tower. And then Merry and Pippin begin aggressively smoking pot to celebrate. And it's like, guys, to the victor go the spoils. If that's how you want to unwind, then so be it. You just conquered a magical fortress utilizing humongous anthropomorphic trees. You relax in whatever way suits you. That's cool, right? Now let's get involved at Helm's Deep. I hope you haven't forgotten about Helm's Deep. All the people of Rohan went there. Our three Ultra Bro mega heroes are there. Gimli, Legolas, Aragorn. Aragorn, not dead, alive. But they're anticipating a really bad time because they know an army's coming. An army of Urukai. Even though Saruman is basically checkmated in his tower, he still has his forces pressing on towards Helm's Deep. Very dangerous. The army is close, and the king of Rohan, Theoden, is like, all right, we got to prep for battle. Even though we are 
outnumbered by these disgusting beast Urukais in such a remarkable proportion that I don't even know why we're going through the motions here. He doesn't say that because that would be a really loser call out of a leader. And he knows that. He kind of hints at it behind closed doors. He's like, guys, I think we're fucked. But he doesn't say that to everybody. He says that to his closest inner circle. So what's the economic lesson there? If you need to share some bad news, spread it amongst the C-level executives first. CEO, CFO, CTO, CMO, any other O that you've got, any other C blank O that you've got. Get the core group discussion going before you introduce something to the rank and file. You can't let word get out. If you've got some real crap news, you can't let word get out to the rank and file because then you're looking at some insubordination. Can't have that. Business 101. You get it. So it's game on, but the army of elves from Lothlorien, the wood elves, they show up and they enter the keep. They're like, hey, we're here to fight with you out of respect for an old alliance that our ancestors made. And everybody's like, whoa, this is, I didn't know there was still high ethics in business. That's what they were thinking. That was the sentiment behind their eyes. Like, I thought business was all cutthroat. Who knew that I would have people show up based on past relationships? What's the key takeaway there? Business is about relationships. Elves are there, but then who shows up? This massive, and I'm talking like 10,000 strong, army of Urukai compared to the forces of elves and men, maybe a grand max, more like 500. That is a rough kind of a whodunit, if you ask me. But superior weapons and tactics. What is that? S-W-A-T. Spell it out. SWAT. They're like a SWAT team. Outnumbered? Sure. But way more skilled? That's a given. A battle begins to rage. The ultra bro mega heroes, Gimli, Aragorn, Legolas, they are getting a lot of kills. Their KD ratio is skyrocketing because none of them die and they're just getting kills. That's a gamer's fantasy right there. Everybody's icing these orcs. They're not that good at fighting despite being humongous. They just don't really know what's going on. But then something really unfortunate happens. This Radical Islamist orc who's got a bunch of explosives strapped to his chest. He runs into the sewer drain of the fortress and he blows it up. It's the one weak point of the fortress and he just blows it up. Everything was going fine for the proverbial SWAT team until this happened. This little extremist who just said, I'm taking one for the team, 72 virgins, here I come. Boy, is he going to be disappointed when it's like, you don't get anything. You're an orc. He's not getting his 72 virgins. I think we all knew that, right? But the wall is breached and a bunch of these Urukai begin overwhelming the forces within the fortress, which is like, whoa, we were doing okay when we had our fort, but now we've lost our strategic position because of that suicide bomber. What a world. Everybody's kind of thinking that to themselves, like, what a world. A lot of bros get iced. A lot of the elves, a lot of the men, they start getting chopped down. The numbers are overwhelming. And so the remaining bros who are alive, they retreat into the keep, the strongest, most secure place in the castle. All the women and the children of Rohan, who had retreated to Helm's Deep. They're in the basement and these badass bros are like, listen, let's put the team on our back. We're going to ride out and we're going to kill as many of these things as possible. And we're going to go out like heroes. We're not going to bitch out. And it's like, heck yeah. Of course you go down swinging. What do you have to lose at that point? Talk about a business call, right? When the situation 
is looking dire. It's looking bleak. What do you do? You go hard in the paint. You say, to hell with convention. I am going to go hard and maybe something good will come of it. Impressive, right? Out of a warrior or a business person. I think we can all agree upon that, right? And so they prepare for their last charge. Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Theoden, and then a bunch of unnamed soldiers. Like, all right, let's mount up on horses and let's ride out of the front door and kill as many of these idiots as possible. And so they ride out and they're like, let's do it. We're good business guys. So as they're riding out and the battle's all but lost, Gandalf and Yomer, you remember the leader of the Rohirrim? The guys who just gifted two horses and then bounced. Gandalf the White shows up with those guys. And they have the high ground and they're all on horses. And they're like, all right, time to make a mess. And in their mind, you better believe they were chanting something similar to, not exactly, but similar to, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the And Gandalf and the Rohirrim, they all just ride downhill and completely wreck shop on the attackers, the Urukai. They lay waste to them. They separate a lot of heads from bodies and a lot of arms from bodies and also legs from bodies, but mostly heads from bodies. Effective way to make sure that your opponent does not continue to fight. You say, ah, I'm going to lop your head off. The surviving Urukai, of which there are few, they retreat into Fangorn Forest and are immediately murdered by the Ents. And it's like, bravo, Ents. You guys showed up in a way that I think maybe even surprised you. That's business. In a nutshell, maximizing your team to do things that they didn't even think was possible. Not bad. Gandalf warns everybody. He has a pep talk. He's like, okay, that was a battle. War is not over. Recenter, refocus. Talk about a leader. Eyes on the prize, guys. Small victories, good thing. But let's go for the championship. We don't care about an exhibition match. Remember, Sauron, Dark Lord, in spirit form, still dangerous, still evil. Meanwhile, Gollum, a.k.a. Smeagol, he leads Frodo and Sam through the Dead Marshes to the Black Gate of Mordor. The Dead Marshes, it smells and it's confusing, very boggy, a lot of fog in the bog, foginthebog.org. It's a website worth buying. There's a business call out. They get to the Black Gate of Mordor, which is, think of the Great Wall of China but way more evil looking. And Sam and Frodo are like, how the hell are we going to get through there? That doesn't make any sense. It's well guarded. What, we're just going to walk up to the gate and be like, hey, let us in. We got something to do. Not going to happen. So they decide they have to go a different route, which I love in terms of an adaptive business strategy. You see that parallel where it's like, hey, guys, let's work smart. Let's not work hard. I mean, let's work hard, but let's also work smart. Let's not forego strategy and just do things super wrong. Love that. So they're going an alternate route and they're crashing for the night. And what happens? They're captured by rangers of Ithilien, led by Faramir. Okay. Brother of the late Boromir. You remember that selfish dude who was kind of a jerk in the first one? This is his brother. Frodo is like, hey, let me go, man. And then Faramir's like, hey, you see that little creature down there? He's pointing at Gollum. And Gollum's just like catching fish and smacking the fish on the rocks. Just super primitive. And Faramir's like, I'm going to shoot this creature with a bunch of arrows. Good call, bad call, Frodo. And Frodo's like, bad call. We know him. He sucks, but he's our friend, sort of. So Gollum doesn't get iced. And then Faramir learns of 
the quest. He's like, so what the hell are you two little idiots doing out here? Check that. Three idiots. Because it turns out that little freak smacking fish on rocks is your friend. Weird choice of a friend. But he says, why are you out here? And Frodo's like, we've got a quest, man. We've got the one ring and we've got to destroy it. And Faramir, who's kind of a dope like his brother, is like, oh boy, I'm going to take you to the capital city and we'll use the ring as a weapon to defeat the enemy. And it's like, ah, your heart's in the right place, but your head, so out of bounds, you moron. And he wants to bring the ring to his dad, Denethor. who's just a fucking slob. He is the steward of Gondor. He's not in the lineage. He's just babysitting the throne, but he's really taking advantage. He eats all the grapes and a bunch of turkey legs. And you could make the argument that this dude is himself a bit of a turkey. I don't think anybody's going to say anything back on that. No pushback given. But on their way back, they're passing through the besieged Gondorian city of Osgiliath. Beautiful named city. And Frodo is like, hey, Faramir, this ring is no joke. I know you think you've got things handled, but you're as big of an idiot as your brother. And then Sam pipes in and he's like, yeah, Boromir was pretty fucking stupid. Your brother, he died and he didn't get it. Kind of how you don't get it. Do you see how ill-advised decisions are flying out of your family left and right and you're doing nothing to correct those mistakes? Your dad must eat way too many grapes. And in that moment, Faramir was like, oh man, was it that obvious? They've never even met my father, but they know he's a grape guy. I bet you they know about the excessive turkey leg eating too. There's a lot going on in Osgiliath. It is a battle. It is kind of a last stand for the kingdom of Gondor. Well, not the last stand, second to last stand. The last stand would be at Gondor itself. But this is kind of like the outpost city. And a bunch of orcs and Urukai, they show up and they just mess everybody up. And Frodo's like, why did you take us here, Faramir? You are so bad at making choices. And he's not wrong. To make things worse, who shows up? Some Nazgul wraiths. The former nine human kings of the realm who were seduced by the Dark Lord Sauron into taking those rings. Now they just wear cloaks and they exist to find the ring and nothing else. And you know what the leader of the Nazgul, what's his name? The Witch King. You know what he's riding? A flying beast. So dangerous. Frodo is nearly captured, but he evades the capture. And then Sam takes him aside and gives him a big pep talk. And I love this in every interpretation you can give it, whether it's just one one face value, peer into the story itself, or whether you extrapolate the conclusions and be like, wow, a good friend can give you a good pep talk. That is no joke. And so Sam's like, Frodo, I know you're struggling right now. This whole thing is so different from where we live, the Shire, which was so pleasant. But that's what we're fighting for. Even though times are tough, we are doing the right thing. We're friends. We got each other. We can do this, pal. Every once in a while, we all need that kind of reminder from somebody who matters to us, where it's like, hey, why don't you keep your chin up? You are fighting for the right things, and I respect you. That's a great thing to hear. Faramir has this moment of clarity. Boromir's brother, Faramir. And for maybe the first time in his life, he makes a strong choice. And he's like, guys, you're actually pretty solid. And it seems like you're on a mission, and you need to do that mission. And I'm not going to be the idiot who wrecks it. And it's like, Complete 180 out of this guy. Okay. Interesting lesson in business where it's like, sometimes you're going to have idiots on your team or maybe you're going to deal with a 1099 employee who's not really part of your squad, but he's still 
interacting with your team and his title is consultant and you're like, I don't know why we hired you. All you've done is make terrible choices. But then out of nowhere, this consultant, Faramir, he comes up with a good idea. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, what? You're worth it? You're worth the coin that we paid? That's a business parallel. It's clear as day. Frodo and Sam trek on with Gollum. And Gollum's like, hey, let's continue on my secret route to Mordor. And this is when things get super dicey. They climb these rocky steps, thousands of them. Gollum, don't forget, Gollum is a lot like a junkie in that occasionally his drug of choice will override his decision-making and cause him to make really sketchy calls. And this is one of those times he gets so fired up. He's like, oh, maybe I could have the ring, which is like the equivalent of being like a heroin addict and being like, ah, maybe I'll just shoot up. And it's like, no, don't do it. Stick to your program. Talk to your support group. But Gollum doesn't have that. Even though he's with people, he is so alone in his journey. And that's sad. You know it is. I know it is. Kyle knows it is. But that's a harsh reality that exists in our world. A lot of people going through some tough times, seemingly by themselves. As a Darby Cast doctor, what does that mean? Help people out. You see somebody who looks like they're having a bad day? Smile at them. Wave to them. And be like, hey, he's going to be all right. Maybe you just say, hey, I think Gavin Newsom's a clown. That'll bring a smile to anyone's face if you're in California. Maybe anywhere in the world. Gavin Newsom probably gaining notoriety as a world-class idiot, making poor calls and being a hypocrite. I had to throw that in there. Why not? Gollum is leading Frodo and Sam to her. Uh-oh. And that is where we're going to leave it. Until next time. Until L-O-T-R-R-O-T-K. What's that? Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Darby Cast Doctors, it is so good to be back. Kyle is also glad. Economics Wednesday, back Friday.